Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you and you and you and especially you out there who are watching this radio program, listening to this radio program. It is Drive Time Radio here on 1150 KKNW. My name is New York Vinny. If we haven't met yet, well, we will someday. Believe you me, I'm trying. I'm on a mission, a mission to meet every one of the people who've ever listened uh, to me on the radio. Uh, not the easiest thing in the world to do, but we're we're see- actively seeking you out, and so and and, and toward that end, I think uh, as the football season and uh, the car season progresses, well, car season is almost over actually, but as uh, the car season progresses, uh, we are talking about doing a couple of uh, meet and greets where we can go out and uh, you know meet our our listeners all seven, eight of you actually. And um, we may have to do it in two swoops because, you know, we have the South Sound chapter of the Drive Time Fan Club and then the North Sound chapter. So um, we'll have to we'll have to get that all figured out. But we'll be out there. We'll be out to see it. And uh, matter of fact, if you have a mechanical problem with your car, call us and Nathan and I will uh, we'll come out to your house and fix your car. For a nominal fee, I believe. But anyway, that's... Uh, because we're good people we are we're good people as uh, the automotive world goes uh we try to do the right thing for everybody and talking about the right thing for everybody happy labor day weekend it's uh of course that you know it's that weekend where it's like uh what's that old song summer's over la 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 la. well you know we actually had a summer here in the puget sound area you know it's you know, you could point to the heat dome week or all the different things that happened is you to really indicate that it was, there was in fact a summer in Seattle this, um, this past couple of months and we had hot weather and, you know, everything that goes along with you know, pretty soon. I, I almost thought I spied an ice cream truck at one point during the summer, you know, one of those old, um, I don't know, did you have the good humor trucks here? I mean, I didn't grow up here, so I don't know, but did, did they have the good humor trucks that used to come around? And it was a truck that looked like, uh, you know, it had a, it was like almost like a pickup, but it had a refrigerator box on the back. It would keep the ice cream in there. And boy, when those trucks came down, you know, down the street, it was, you know, all pandemonium broke loose on the block as kids gathered their 10 cents or their 15 cents. And decided to uh, let's uh, let's go. Let's get out there and get the uh, chocolate eggclair or the strawberry shortcake or the uh, just the regular plain old uh, chocolate coated vanilla ice cream pop and scarf one of those down. Uh, you know, those days, uh, you know, fifteen cents took care of the uh, took care of the gravy, the sugar high that you needed uh, when that good humor guy came down the block. So. It's always interesting. It's always kind of cool, you know. That usually they come, you know, there's some vacation, a good humor guy. Or there was, you know, we had, in New York, we had good humor. We had Bungalow Bar, which was kind of a good humor, but it was uh, some guy, you know, some people selling more off-brands than it wasn't all branded ice cream. Uh, the good humor was a system. You went down to the good humor plant, you loaded up, and you went out and everything in your truck had good had good humor on except for the um sunny boy i think it was or sunny jim um highly sugared orange drinks that came in a little square mini milk container with the thing on the top and you'd open that up and you'd stick your stick your straw in there it was a juice box uh that was um that was out there before there was a juice box you know, nowadays you just uh, put the straw in and pierce it through that thing and bang, you're, uh, you're all done and you're all ready to go. And, uh, you know, in, in those days, it was a bit different. 
is you had you had to open that hole and then you could either drink it like this or you could put the straw in there and you'd be in great shape. And always one of my favorite parts of the summer was the good, you know, summer days, the good humor. Uh, and then in New York, we also had uh, Mr. Softy, which was uh, the, um, the soft ice cream truck. That a couple of soft ice cream trucks that were uh, uh, soft ice cream machines mounted in, uh, in, a, in, in, was... in what now you'd see is like a food truck type of deal, a big Ford uh, or Chevy panel truck. And, uh, you know, that thing would come around. Usually the, the um, Mr. Softy's guy would stay by the park during the day uh, because they made milkshakes and sodas. I mean, it was really a, a, a roving soda fountain on wheels. And, you know, you could he would go to the different feasts and festivals and you'd see him there. And then as soon as he got done with those, seven o'clock at night, he would have to deal his uh, sugary milk products uh, to young and old alike. And, you know, the thing with the Mr. Softy was, you, you know, this truck came down and again, it was, you know, pandemonium when these kids, uh, when, when this truck would come down the block because they play that jingle or the bells and you would hear, you know, kids screaming all over the place, ma, give me 25 cents for Sunday. Ma. <laughs> and then you'd beat your friends at the ice cream truck. And then of course there was the, uh, Always, every year, in every neighborhood, or most neighborhoods, there was uh, a kid who got hit by the car running across the street so that they could get to the truck first. It was always sad. So I guess the moral of the story uh, is um, if you see the ice cream truck, be careful when you're driving down the street because you never know when some kid's going to dart out. And... Um, you know, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to go, oh, oh, you know, I don't know how to stop this thing this fast. You know, it usually has a system on it that stops me. So that's uh, that's one of the things that always uh, signal the end of summer to me. You also have the uh, putting your cars away and stuff like that, getting ready for that one last um, run up to the mountains as soon as the leaves start turning color and they're, and they're already turning colors in places, uh, you know, up along Route 2 and up along, uh, you know, I-90, you go out there and then you take 97 North, you do that kind of Cascade Loop. Last week, I did the, uh, took my daughter on the Mountain Loop Highway. We went out to spend some time at the Mountain Loop and we went, uh, you know, we, we go back and forth. Um, although it, it's funny, I didn't realize this, that I hadn't taken my, my daughter on the Mountain Loop Highway um, since she was probably about six or seven years old. So we, um, we took that trip, and it's a beautiful trip this time of year. As, the, as I said, the leaves are starting to turn colors, and you really get a lot. I think, and a lot of people are back at school, so it's not as crowded as it can be. There were absolutely, actually, open campgrounds last week on um, on Mountain Loop Highway. We passed a couple of them because what you have, you know, you have the, the campgrounds that you can stop at and pay a fee to the federal government because it's a federal forest and you can camp there, except. I'm not sure if you can camp there. A number of those campgrounds were closed. So if you're thinking about going up there and saying to yourself, well, you know, I'm going to go up and, you know, pitch tent for a couple of days and hide out, uh, you may want to check because what is available might only be those little, you know, the, 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 campsites that are next to the river as you go up the mountain loop if you're going north they're on the left and those sites i believe are not federal sites they're just uh, they're out there there's no fee 
uh, form or anything, but I don't know that they're regulated uh, in the same way that the other sites would be regulated, uh, where you can go up there and those are uh, kind of like those, um, uh, what are they, uh, um, uh, the, the word is escaping me now, it's right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it, but you know, when you go out, you can, uh, boondocking, thank you, boondocking, uh, you know, you can just go and boondock there, pull your RV up into the site, or pitch your tent there, and hang out by the river, do a little swimming, a little cooking, uh, and a little loving of nature, which, which believe you me, in, these, in this day and age, is, uh, is not a bad thing to be able to connect like that uh, for a day or two. Uh, a pretty big story in the news, uh, I think, is uh, COVID-related because uh, the manufacturers are now looking at the possibility of COVID heating up even more than it is again. Uh, it's heated up already, heating up again, and trying to figure out what that is going to do to the price of automobiles. Uh, now, traditionally, as we saw in the last run on this, you um, you know, you, ha you have to lay people off, you have to stop production, you can't have as many people in the, a plant, you have to do social distancing and all that kind of stuff and that affects the production of cars as well as the production of many other things in this country. And so all of a sudden, will you see once again, uh, cars go up, you know, the prices of cars increase even more than they are now. And I don't know if you've gone down and tried to buy a new car lately, but it is not pretty. You have a shortage of cars. You have the highly uh, fluctuating economic situation. So this is being acknowledged by many, many, many people as the worst time to buy a car. And as a matter of fact, I just have a good friend of mine. I just helped her uh, buy a car this past week. And, you know, there wasn't, a lot of, there wasn't much of a deal to be had. And, um, and it's, you know, it's not a, a fly-by-night dealer. I mean, it's a good, you know, good dealer, Toyota. And um, she's happy with the car, but uh, she decided to lease the car for three years and then see how this lays out over the next uh, over the next two years and you know go in that in that direction as opposed to laying the money out there and buying the car now and maybe buying a car that you'll find you'll pay ten thousand more for if you buy it uh, and they'll be dropping down, uh, hopefully, when the pandemic is over. Or when at least prices have stabilized. So people love to blame the manufacturers and this and that. But the reality is, is you know, a confluence of different things have happened in the automobile market to make this situation uh, a tough one. If you're trying to buy a car, you have... Uh, Short, less workers, shorter shifts. You have um, COVID. You have a lack of faith in some of the consumer markets right now. And uh, by the way, we have these 10,000 cars here sitting at uh, the Kentucky Speedway. And we can't get chips to put in them to send them out. They're all built. They're all ready to go. All they need is a chip. Can you send it to me? And uh, nothing. Some chips are starting to, to make their way through. But uh, the reality is, is that chip shortage is going to be with us easily through the end of the year. Easily. And probably the way things look right now, even further out than that. So 
you're in the market for a, a new car, you might want to hold on. You might want to uh, lay back a little bit and say, uh, let's wait till this thing stabilizes a little bit. I can live with my uh, Dodge Journey or my uh, minivan another uh, six months. Just um, and, and, and sit back and wait till you see what this market does. If you're out there looking for car, I mean, obviously, if it's a necessity and you need to have it, well, then you got to have it, right? I mean, it's, it, that, that puts you in a little bit of a worse position. But I would wholeheartedly, if you're in the market for a car right now, recommend that you put the brakes on it, see how this thing shakes out around the end of the year. And you can sort of feel your direction from there. All right, we got a good show planned for you today. Uh, kind of feel a little lonely because Jeff uh, isn't joining us anymore from Drive to Order Cure. It's the first week in, uh, I don't know, all summer that he hasn't been with us. He completed his mission as far as driving uh, last week. You can still go to uh, Drive Toward a Cure dot com and see video of he and i and and uh the people who are involved in the drive toward a cure team they are trying to eke out not a lot of money uh although they like to have a lot of money but enough money to uh fund parkinson's disease research and um jeff and 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 Deb Pollock and a, a, a lot of people who work at this foundation really do a, a, a fantastic job at making sure the money gets to where it needs to get to. So, you know, you can think in terms of doing something for Christmas for somebody, doing something for Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're taking a trip in the, in the fall, I was thinking about, um, you know, usually I go out to a Pullman a couple of times a year out to Washington State uh, to see the Cougars. And I was thinking about maybe doing something predicated on the miles I put going out to Pullman and back, going out to Pullman and back a couple of times. If I could do it and raise 500 bucks a couple of times, not bad, right? Um, but... <laughs> I'm really conflicted about going out to Washington State this year, to be honest with you. Uh, as the coach out there has decided he doesn't want to take the vaccine. Um, and I think that that's, in, and it spits in the face uh, to me of everybody who has to take the vaccine that works for the state of Washington. So, all right. Um, when we come back, we're very fortunate to have a good friend of mine with us this morning, Mercedes Lilienthal. Uh, Mercedes is a freelance writer. She writes for, but she's not like, you know, she's not writing for the corner paper. I mean, she's writing for the New York Times. Uh, she writes for uh, Road and Track, for all different uh, magazines and uh, automotive periodicals. She's been doing it for a long time. She uncovered really good story about somebody in Arizona who makes midget cars. Are you saying to yourself, Vinny, what are you talking about a midget car? Yeah, midget cars. That's what she does. We will converse with her when we come back. Stick around. It'll be something that'll, uh, as a Jed Clampett used to say in Beverly Hillbillies, it'll learn you something. You'll be smarter when you end the interview than you were when you started it. I guarantee it. It is Drive Time Radio on a Saturday morning right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW Live on the Internet. This overheated radiator shouldn't have happened. Or this street windshield in the rain. Or this dead battery here. Shouldn't somebody check those things for you every time? Texaco dealer does, that's his promise. Your Texaco dealer not only promises to check the things everyone ought to, he'll double check too. He'll check your battery, double check the battery cables, check your oil, 
Double check the fan belt. Check your radiator. Double check the radiator cap. Clean your windshield. And double check the wiper blades. What's more, your Texaco dealer's service and courtesy includes a smile and a thank you. That's his promise. You can trust your car to the man who wears the star. The big, bright Texaco star. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. And back here on Drag Time Radio, a very good Saturday morning to you. Good chance on this Labor Day weekend. Always like to, um, you know... On Labor Day, we usually do our tribute to uh, to uh, the working truck and everything like that. A little something different this Labor Day uh, about a man's work and and things that he has done uh, to um, with his hands and with materials you may never believe would be used in building uh, a car. But there's a guy in Maricopa, Arizona. We all go down to Arizona for spring training and everything like that. His name is Ernie Adams, and he has what they call a dwarf car collection. What is that? Well, hang on a second. My good friend, Mercedes Lienthal, who I've known for years, we're in uh, Nawapa together, and she's written threats for the New York Times, has an article in Car and Driver this month uh, explaining exactly what Ernie Adams is doing and about his museum down there. And she is with us this morning on drive time. Mercedes, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes. Um, Dwarf cars. Now I know it's going to put things in all kinds, you know, all kinds of connotations in people's heads. Let's start there. What is a dwarf car? So dwarf car essentially is what Ernie Adams had coined for his different race cars and then street cruisers. It's a certain specific size compared to the regular full-size vehicles that are the classics that he so loved. Um, So it's a smaller replica size. Um, You know, he basically wanted to create those of the uh, five-eighths inch scale, essentially, replicas of 20s, 30s, and 40s race cars and different classic cars. So he kind of stuck within that that genre, but decided to make five-eighths inch scales of those vehicles. And, um, you know, we're looking at the pictures and and we'll try to insert some of the pictures in here. Um, I mean, I see some just incredible uh, craftsmanship. Uh, I mean, now I don't think that you go to the store and just buy the parts for these things and assemble them like you would like maybe an AMT or the visible V8 or right, something right. like that. Right. How does Ernie, I mean, I'm I'm thinking he's got to hand build all of these parts. He does. He does. Um, You know, it all started back and I I believe it was the the 1960s, mid 60s when he was a kid and he um, basically saw, uh, you know, just refrigerator out, you know, just off onto its side and in the middle of some big weeds and and there was a tire uh, or a tire swing that was uh, laying up against it. And to him as a child, he kind of envisioned that as being a vehicle, right? It was just a small scale kind of a vehicle. And he thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then started a project. And then, you know, in the late sixties, he's like, all right, let's get this going. And little did I know at that time that there were nine refrigerators that went into that specific vehicle. Wow. And he did vehicle, you know, he did parts and pieces from it. I'm not going to give too much of the article away. You got to buy the issue. No, no, we want to go to the website. We'll buy the magazine. Right. Buy the magazine. Start. And it's also online, but um, you know, he it, it, you know had major parts of the roof, major parts of the interior, major parts of, you know, uh, some of the other exterior bits and pieces of it. And, and so, yeah, you're right. Everything is pretty much hand handcrafted. And when he went through that evolution, with that very first vehicle and it, it's coined the name they all have names which are fabulous names um so when when he coined it grandpa dwarf because it was kind of the grandpa of all the rest of these vehicles it was it, it essentially was hand built and fabricated by him so whether it's refrigerator parts or different types of parts i mean he he basically assembled these at a very very small scale and some of them were just used as like you know for parade vehicles or or you know run around the neighborhood you know in a really tiny town where he lived you know because they weren't really necessarily street legal but just kind of used them you know just for fun and for show and some of them he created were then race cars that they literally had the dwarf race class that they uh that they created that he um went in with a, a couple of other people and created a whole huge race series of dwarf cars, mind you. And then he also uh, built legitimate street cruisers and his dwarf street cruisers were on-road legal vehicles that could go up to hundred miles an hour. 
they're just super wow. tiny. But what powers them? Uh, love and a lot of affection and a lot of time and energy. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, they have engines, right? Right. Yeah, they do have engines. Yep. Yep. So is, is, is it a, a regular V8 or do they use like a Brayton Stratton lawnmower engine or, or how yeah. does it? That's a great question. I think every uh, every vehicle is different. So it's, it's you know, harder to say, okay, this uh, specific vehicle is this type of an engine, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, some of them, like I said, are, are just lower horsepower vehicles that they use just for parades and such. But then yeah. there are some that he's like, yeah, he can go all the way across the country doing 100 miles an hour if he wanted to, of course. That's not condoned and that's not what he yeah. does. Yeah. But they have the capacity to be able to go up and do that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to, uh, a, a friend of my dad's, out in uh, College Point in, in New York, used to uh, build midget racers. Right, and right. And had these little four-cylinder Offenhauser engines that you could yes. pretty much pick up. With, you know, I mean, you know, you'd see the, you know, one of the big burly guys and just have a chain on it and pick it up. And I was wondering if he had a collection of those, maybe. And he was, he was using some of those. But as you look at the pictures, I, I mean, the detail is incredible. You talk to him all about what he, I mean, you know, I was just, uh, reading a thing the other day about George Barris and, and, you know, the, the great uh, car customizer from Southern California built the Batmobile and so many other vehicles. Now, Ernie doesn't seem like he's gone into customs like that, but yet I look at what he has built, especially in one photo. He had like, a, it looks like maybe a 54 Chevy in the background. The detail is incredible from this guy. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he if you uh, let me just check on the website here, they have a website. It's dwarfcarpromotions.com. Again, it's dwarfcarpromotions.com. And it lists all about the history and the racing and, and fun facts and all the different types of vehicles. And it's, it's really neat. It basically goes into, you know, the whole entire history of that. And now they have this whole museum that showcases all these different vehicles. Some of them are there to stay. Some of them are there obviously still to be used. So it, it's interesting to see, you know, every single one of them is, is different and unique and they all have really cool names. So a lot of that information is on there, which is pretty neat to see. Now, um, and we're talking to Mercedes Lilienthal. She has an article in Car and Driver uh, this week that you can either pick up the magazine and read or go online at carandriver.com. Ernie Adams shows us his dwarf car collection. Just a fascinating article about it. A man who uh, in Arizona builds uh, these uh, 5H replica cars that run and move and drive and, and do everything. Um, is he still doing it? I mean, how old is Ernie? Is this something that he's still, uh, still in a workshop every day doing? He still, he still is. Um, he is 80. And I think in August, actually, you know what? He might be 81 because I believe is, if I'm not mistaken, his birthday was mid-August. So if you guys uh, call or stop by in Maricopa to the Dwarf Car Museum, make sure to wish him a happy birthday because I believe it was last month. So I think he's 81 right now. Wow. Well, that's got to be something to go down every day and just uh, and still fabricates out of, I, I, I don't know if he's using refrigerators anymore, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, sheet metal and the different types of uh of, of metal and materials, fiberglass and everything else, I guess, that, uh, is you, does he, does, I mean, I, and I thought about this when I was looking, I got two little nephews that are car crazy. Um, Good is, way to be. Is, is this something you could buy for one of them? I mean, will he build you a small car if, if you, uh, if you contract him? Did you, did you get any sense of that, that um, people yeah, will contact? Because we have too much money in this country right now. So there's a lot, or a lot of people have too much money. Some don't have enough. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. Um, can you call Ernie up and say, hey, Ernie, build me a replica of a 62 Cadillac convertible or something? You know, that's a really good question. I don't think that he's done anything on behalf of anyone else, you know, for let's say you hire him to build a specific vehicle. Uh, he did um, for a, a good period of time, though, create dwarf race cars, legitimate dwarf race cars. So there may be some that may still be available that you can find that it's an Ernie Adams legitimate dwarf race car that might still be there, it might be racing still, it might not be. But, you know, again, I don't know where you'd find said vehicle if it is for sale, but you know, as far as the rest of his different types of, um, you know, street legal cruisers or things like that. I mean, he's at the time of the writing of the article, he's built nine of those and he's currently got a 19 um, or mini 1941 Chevy under construction. Wow. So he's got his hands on a lot of different things, but he went through, like I said, I mean, I think, I think you'd mentioned when I interviewed him that he built like hundreds of those race cars, those actual dwarf size race cars. So 
you know, again, I don't know any specifics as to where any of those are. If they're still racing, I'd assume they probably still would be because, you know, my dad was a, a welder and fabricator as well and a blacksmither in the 60s. When they came over, they, you know, from Germany, they wanted to build their own business. Yeah. And so he's done that all the way until he, he had died in 1998. I'm, I'm very keen on construction, especially when it comes to fabrication and just even the photos that they shared of me. It's like the guy's got some major, major talents. And I'd love wow. to meet him someday. It was just such a pleasure to talk to you as well as his son, Kevin. His son, yeah. Kevin, uh, kind of manages the, the social and, and helps out a lot with the museum and it's with father. And I think the whole family is just a great family, very passionate. Well, I, I would next time I'm down in Arizona in the Phoenix area, I'm going to go. I, I never knew about this, to be honest with you. And I, I, I consider myself to be somewhat hip about classic cars and stuff like this and had no idea that this existed. So you could bet that the next time I'm down in the Phoenix area, I'm going to go check this, uh, check this out and hopefully get to, uh, you know, shake Ernie's hand and, uh, and, and, and just tell him what a fantastic. And again, I, I really, um, Employee to go online and take a look at the pictures and pick up the magazine and take a look at the pictures. I mean, you know, we say in this world that the craftsmen, uh, the people who do the type of things that Ernie does are slowly leaving us and being replaced by computers right. and, uh, you know, 3D printers and everything, you know, any, any nitwit can go to a 3D printer now and probably print one of these cars. Uh, but for Ernie, uh, to fabricate the car and do it the old school way. Mm -hmm. It's it's fascinating to me to uh, to look at that, to talk to somebody like that. And um, and uh, you must have had a thrill even just writing this article, especially with your lineage in, in welding and fabrication. Right. Yeah, I, I did. I, I think that especially, you know, hopefully he has had the chance to share some of that knowledge, you know, either with, with his son or with anybody else or or just, you know, the multitude of people that I'm sure are just as enthusiastic about building vehicles as he is. And and it is I mean, it, it is a shame to say that, you know, computers and robots and things are taking over so much of the man made um, uh, craft, but to find those gems, you know, the diamond in the rough and, and just be able to share those stories. You know, I, I just basically say I'm, I'm, you know, messenger, right? I put words on paper, but yeah. you know, finding those types of people and sharing their stories, especially if not very many people have before, I think it's, to me, it's just so interesting and it's very inspiring, even though I'm not a welder per se. Um, you know, my father was, my mom helped in the shop. It was just the two of them in a hoist. I can tell you that with that type of craft, though, I've got mad respect for Ernie and his family and, you know, the Maricopa, you know, Arizona residents have got to be really happy about making sure that the, you know, and, and having, I should say, rather that the Dwarf Car Museum is there. Yeah. I, I can't I wait to see it myself. So. Yeah, I would think so. Mercedes, thanks so much for taking a couple of minutes. Again, the article is in Car and Driver this month. Also, you can go online at carandriver.com and just look for the uh, headline. Ernie Adams shows us his dwarf car collection. It's a great read. And uh, also some great pictures of uh, something that maybe we unlocked that you didn't know about this morning on Drive. And it's why we're here. I mean, we're here to like tell you things that you don't know so you can learn more about them, right? That's what, right. What's what we right. do, right? Right, right, exactly. Hopefully. <laughs> right, right, exactly, right? Peak somebody's interest and make them think. Exactly. Mercedes, thank you so much. I'll see you yeah. soon in person. That's Pleasure. Mercedes Lilienthal. She is a, a, a writer. She does a lot of stuff. You can always see her stuff in the New York Times, the car and driver. And uh, she joins us here on 1150 KKNW. It's Drive Time Radio. We're coming back with our Saturday morning cartoon. So stick around. More to come, as Johnny used to say. Bright new beginning to a beautiful 1968. Chevrolet's Impala Sport Coupe. Dramatically new. Distinctively styled. What strikes you first is the beautiful harmony of line. Every curve, every sweep is clean and compatible. Modern, fresh design. And inside, Chevrolet remembers your comfort with new colors, new fabrics, new instrument panel. Security, too, with the proved GM energy-absorbing steering column, new side marker lights. Impala 68, unforgettably beautiful, right back to its new recessed taillights. Impala, America's favorite car, is at your Chevrolet dealers, who reminds you, be smart, be sure, buy Chevrolet. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 
1150. Yes, life is a highway. And uh, we try to take you along that highway every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 on Drive Time Radio. New York, Vinny, hanging out with you. Nathan, the producer, is here as well. Nathan, good morning, Pally. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. Happy three-day weekend. Happy three-day weekend to you. Do you... uh, now, do you observe uh, the Labor Day holiday, or you, uh, or are you, um, are you somebody who says uh, I'm a, I'm a capitalist? The heck with labor. I'm gonna be sort of doing my own labor, but adventuring labor. I'm gonna go out and do some paddle boarding and enjoy some time on the lake. So a little bit laborious in terms of you have to paddle it, but nothing work related. All right, good. Well, I was, I was gonna say it's, it's good. You know, you work so hard uh, doing this that I want to make sure that you get enough rest and that you're relaxed because, you know, we gotta, we're coming into the winter time now and um, getting ready to celebrate our second anniversary and all of that kind of stuff. And I need you to be well rested from pushing all those buttons back there and scrambling uh, because I think you probably scramble more with this show than any other one because I'm hardly ever prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be nice to have a day off, that's for sure. And many people out there as well get to enjoy that as well. Well, be safe out there, uh, out there, uh, Nathan, and you know, have uh, have fun and and be good. Now, did you get your car back? Oh, I did. Yeah, I got it back on Wednesday this week, and everything was fine. Yep, they got that speaker all replaced, and everything's sounding nice and good again. Everything is beautiful, isn't it? I'm missing that CX5 a little bit though, but hey, we might you talk like about that later. That, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like uh, well, the smell of a new car, though. Yeah, funny you funny you mentioned the uh, CX series uh, in Mazda because it just so happens that um, if you ask me a certain question, I may tell you something about it. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? <laughs> well, we'll talk about the CX-9 in just a little bit. We did mention it last week on Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Uh, but I had to give the CX-9 up, and believe me, I did not want to because I have to take a, uh, uh, had to take a road trip this week and had to drive down to San Francisco, and the CX-9 would have been a great car to do it in uh, for a number of reasons, not the least as it gives you that sporty feel uh, that uh, that I like, you know, in, in an SUV. I don't like my SUVs bushy. I like them a, a little bit uh, engaging, you know. I like that to feel that uh, the road a little bit. So, so at least you, um, if you can't go out and buy the sports car that you want, at least you can have like a little slight smell of sports car in there, and that's what the uh, the Mazda gave me. But I did hook up with, and I think you're gonna like this. Nathan, a Toyota Highlander. And uh, that is what I'm driving this week. Uh, So you go from the Mazda to the Highlander. And the Highlander is, uh, man, it's a a really solid, good vehicle. It's probably in that same size category as the, uh, you know, it's north in space. Um, of the RAV4, which means it has more space than the RAV4, uh, but it also uh, is, uh, a, I think, a, a nicer riding vehicle, maybe a little less off-roady, you know, like the RAV4, I mean, you, you'll take that thing up into the, the woods, you know, and, and, and take it on one of those off-road excursions over hill, over dale, through the uh, stream and everything like that. I don't know that the Highlander is built for that, you know, uh, it's, um, it's, you know, it's well-constructed. It is, you know, you don't have a fear of taking it off the road, but you know, you also feel that there are certain limitations to what you can do with this car. Uh, the uh, Highlander doesn't have those kinds of limitations, uh, to it. It's, uh, very, uh, extremely, comfortable car too as, as i said we've been on the road with it um on the way down here to uh, the bay area and extremely uh comfortable well laid out interior uh nice seats i gotta give uh, toyota a lot of kudos on the seats in this car they are very 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 comfortable and uh, they go back they you know they do 
they do uh, adjust in ways that you just, you know, it's easy to get the right angle in this car of keeping your back where you need it to be for a long trip or free. You know, because it's more, you know, when you're driving in the city, it's much more of a hunched up kind of drive. When you're out on a highway, it's, you know, you kind of lean back a little bit and get kind of a, a I don't know, a lean going, you know, and, you, and it's, uh, and it does that well. Good performance, lots of space in this thing. Uh, and uh, again, we'll go into more of the, uh, more of the particulars of what it does as compared to others and how much it gives you uh, a, a good sense of feeling in this, uh, when you, you know, a, a sense of reliability and integrity, which is really, if you go across the Toyota line, that's what you see now. I, I mean, I, you know, let's be honest. Uh, they're, um, you know, they make cars that uh, are, you know, they have a hiccup here, a hiccup there. But generally, if you're going to the showroom and you're buying a Toyota, you're buying a car that you can rely on is going to be good. It's just the way, you know, the way it is. It's going to be durable. The engine's going to last you a couple of hundred thousand miles. It's going to be comfortable. And if you opt into the, you know, sports car categories, you're going to get a little something extra. Uh, a lot of fun to be had with it. The other side of the coin is if, you know, it's a, it's a family car, and so they are geared toward the family. It's not uh, unless you're going out there and buying an 86 or a, a um, uh, almost a Celica, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the Supra, uh, you know, you're, you're buying something that uh, is, is oriented much more toward uh, family practicality and so on and so forth. So that's something to uh, think about as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, really good, solid car. All right, time now for the cartoon of the week. You know, we didn't do the complete tribute to uh, trucks. America's, uh, you know, automotive sweetheart, the pickup truck. But I couldn't let it go by without pulling one song out that was one man's story about how much he loves his pickup truck. If it wasn't for trucks, very true, very true words spoken, especially if you're, uh, you know, not so much in the city. Although, you know, it's funny. I was always a, a truck guy. Even when I lived in New York City, I had a pickup truck. I just liked pickup trucks. Well, cool. And what, what everybody else was driving. And that's always what I like to drive, something that not everybody else was uh, driving. Uh, that particular piece of music, uh, a great piece of music by uh, Riley Green, country artist, obviously. I mean, it didn't, uh, didn't take you long to figure that out, did it? Uh, but uh, Riley does uh, there's a video for it, and it's um, just a pretty good. Uh, I'll tell you what, it has 11 million views on uh, YouTube, so it's got to have something right for it. I always love reading the comments, too, on uh, truck videos, especially because they seem to pull out that... I don't know, that little piece of Americana in every comment section. You get to kind of uh, see maybe what people are thinking, what they thought about the song. And uh, so many really nice comments about this song. And, and you know, the one, some of them, you know, you, you, and, and this is what I love about the power of music, the power of cars. Uh, this gentleman writes uh, to Riley, my grandpa died this year, and I don't know how many times I sat in that old truck and cried. Thanks, Riley. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's kind of the emotion a lot of times that those trucks, those pickup trucks, especially if you have a hand-me-down, uh, evoke in people. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right, time uh, now for... Nathan, is it okay with you if I do the, uh, the next segment of our program? Yeah, let's do it. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. I do not do anything on this uh, on this little radio program without Nathan telling me that it's uh, good, good, good to go. So we uh, get a chance this week to delve further. We talked a lot 
thought about it last week because it's such a good vehicle. The Mazda CX-9 Signature all-wheel drive uh, SUV crossover, big station wagon, call it what you want to call it. Uh, what I call it is a fine vehicle that unfortunately you don't see as many uh, um, as many of them out there as you think you would this is a spectacular vehicle i believe it offers everything you want in a high-end high-end uh you know non-luxury suv and the reason i say that is because when you get inside the monster, you look at the materials that we use to construct this uh, interior. You look at the uh, features that it has in there. They all resonate with luxury vehicle, but yet it is not classified a monster as a luxury vehicle. They're trying to get there. They're trying to up the ante here a little bit and get into, um, you know, the the luxury segment always hard to do when you have a car that's being thought of as one way and you try to turn that around uh, just by virtue of uh, adding you know a nicer seats uh, so on and so forth and not really i mean most companies now what they're doing when it comes to these to lux a luxury vehicle is just starting a whole new line so it has its own brand identity, but Mazda has decided that their unique position in the marketplace uh, affords them the ability to hang on to the reputation that they've built up as a an excellent driver's car, um, and also make that crossover into uh, into upping their their. Um, uh, you know, up in their perception among uh, drivers and people that uh, are likely to go out and buy uh, a luxury SUV for, because I mean, the price doesn't quite get up to a luxury SUV, but it's among the top end of the class of vehicle uh, that it's in. The design with the uh, CX-9, they continue to use, uh, uh, carry over this year, uh, last year's basic design, a little, few little tweaks here and there but uh, it flows, the lines work in the car. It, uh, it has um, so, a little bit of a, a different, um, you know, uh, feel to it. It's much more of a, of a curvaceous uh, kind of um, streamlined look as opposed to kind of the headroom, you know, the tall SUV that you'll see the Toyota and some of the other brands like that come out with. Uh, as far as the interior, certainly one of the more roomy ones out there. Uh, the space uh, that they give you in the cockpit and the compartment uh, that you you will see yourself in to drive this thing gives you a very uh, commanding view of the road, a commanding view of the instruments that you need to uh, keep an eye on. And also a very simple system to switch things around. You need to go to communications, you need to go to navigation, you need to go to entertainment. It's all in, in kind of an iDrive type knob that sits in the center console with a, a large screen up on the dashboard. Uh, the digital cockpit works very, very well. It, uh, you, you know, it's changeable and gives you the information that you want or that you need uh, quickly and in a manner that uh, is easy to find when you're driving along. If you feel the car tugging one way, you want to see if there's uh, a problem with your air pressure in the tires or something like that, boom, it's easily, uh, easily allows you to go and move the gauge over one of the conveniences of uh, the CX-9. I, um, as far as power, as far as uh, moving around with this car, it uh, is spry, it, you hit the gas, it goes, uh, no problem merging on a highway, no problem doing anything uh, that you need 
getting done in this car. Again, it's no Z28 Camaro, uh, but it'll get you into the lanes of traffic, get you across, give you enough power to maneuver out of emergency situations uh, if you need to. And it is uh, among the one of the safest cars out there. Mazda really uh, puts a lot into their safety uh, protocols and um, it's uh, it, it really has, uh, you know, all of the attendant airbags, the lane switching um, stuff that you would look for um, in, in the uh, I, IHS uh, uh, surveys and everything like that. Uh, power on the monster, uh, as far as what they do with this car, and I really enjoy uh, the, the Mazda Sky Active system, which is what they use in this car, it really, um, it seems to be able to give you um, hybrid-like numbers, or well, uh, under hybrid, but, but numbers that approach hybrid with um, a regular system without batteries. Now, Mazda is coming out with their electric vehicle. Um, they announced something on it. I don't have it in front of me, but they uh, announced that that thing is on the way and should be um, should be in showrooms in the not too distant uh, future. But loaded to the gills, the signature is with all of the stuff that you need uh, to make you feel safe, to make you feel comfortable, uh, to make you feel like you bought a car that uh, is worth the money. You got five stars. Uh, the crash and uh, 23 miles per gallon combined for a price of $44,000, a little over $44,000 with tax and license. So the Mazda gets a big thumbs up and I get a big thumbs this way with Nathan telling me that it's time to end our Saturday morning soiree. So have a safe Labor Day weekend. We will catch up with you next weekend, uh, next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good week.